What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent, bi-weekly, sapphic, speak easy. <laughs> Come on, internal rhyme structure. Uh, <laughs> I am Money, Dr. Money, your uh, friendly host of this hair program. And uh, I feel like I need to do a reminder that this is uh, Black lesbian-led content. This is black lesbian led content, y'all. So, <laughs> um, if you want to expand my horizons beyond black lesbian uh, shit, please send it my way. It, the inboxes are always open. You can hit me in the DMs or email me at queerwalkpot at gmail.com. But yes, that is how I identify. And maybe I have to start saying that at the top of every episode. But um, yeah, y'all, I use her, she, hers pronouns. I identify as a black lesbian. So, <laughs> let's get into this episode. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go Worldwide from every continent, I just want you to jig a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss, hug your sister, make a fist Don't resist your temptation, you amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love all right, y'all. Thank you for making it here to kick it with me. If you are listening live, that means you are a patron and you hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D, uh, where I go live on Sundays that the episodes drop. So you get the episode a little earlier. You also get it unedited because I don't be editing. I just be on live. So... <laughs> If you want the unedited episode, head on over to the Patreon. Um, If you are listening to the playback, I am glad you found Queer Walk. And if you wouldn't mind, let me know how you did, how you discovered Queer Walk, the podcast. Uh, We are streaming wherever you get your favorite podcasts, everywhere from Spotify to CastBox. Uh, You can also find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D, or where it all began at QueerWalk.com over on the Tumblr. All right. How can we keep QueerWalk coming? Um, (laughs) You can. (laughs) I don't know why I just realized how nasty that sounds. How can we keep QueerWalk coming? Um, You can... (laughs) You can help me sustain this totally independent podcast. Like everything you hear um, and see is brought to you as an independent production. (laughs) And you can contribute to this in one of two ways. The first is by loving us out loud. We are not in the closet over here on Queer Walk. We are in the hallways, okay? (laughs) We are in the streets. We We are where the people are. Um, So let folks know about us. You can leave a rating on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. You can leave a review, request topics or Queer Walks or Queer Pox of the Week. 
repost the episodes when you see me putting them out and reply. Use the hashtag QueerWOC to talk all things the podcast or just hit me up at QueerWalkPod in the DMs on all the things. You can also send me an email of your Curve Chronicles, a topic suggestion or QueerWalk of the Week suggestion at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. The second way you can contribute to Queer Walk is by helping me fund this endeavor. (laughs) Uh, You can do that in one of two ways. One is a non-commitment. Probably the easiest and quickest way is to hit up the cash app at dollar sign Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D. So the cash app is dollar sign Queer Walk Pod. If you would like to give a monthly contribution to help sustain this podcast, head on over to Patreon. You can get all the perks of being a patron, including getting the episode early at patreon.com slash QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. All right, y'all. Well, I'm moving on along to the QueerWalk, QueerWalk, QueerWalk of the week segment and the Queer Walk slash Queer Park of the week segment is just a segment where I shout out, celebrate, and highlight some queer woman of color or queer person of color who is doing dope shit, who has done dope shit, or who I just think y'all should know about. And today is no different. Queer Walk of the week this week is TikToker, YouTuber, and relationship coach, Mother Nature. So, no, not Mother Nature, as in Truth and Clever, who did the, <laughs> who Truth, who did the intro to the podcast. Um, love them. Love that group. Yes. <laughs> Go listen to their music. But this Mother Nature is Mother Nate-er <laughs> on all the things. Um, if you are a TikToker, you've probably seen Nate. But... Yeah, I discovered Nate's videos on YouTube and I want to tell y'all why I think that y'all should go follow Nate and what she's doing. So over the pandemic and actually a little bit before, because my little sister kind of high key did this for a year, um, I really got into watching um, solo van life or van life content with women of color in it. And um, Nate's page was one of the only pages that I saw of a black woman (laughs) doing this by herself. Um, And so I'll put a link to uh, Nate's YouTube. Uh, That's where I discovered her. But I know she has a huge TikTok following. So if you're on TikTok, she's at Mother Nate, N-A-T-E-U-R, on all the things. Um, Yeah. And so shout out to my baby sister. (laughs) got me into looking at van life content um but yeah so Nate has a whole platform um around being a solo van lifer who mostly lives in her car um and I'm gonna explain why because uh being a black woman van lifer is not the same as like the hashtag van life imagery you get on like Instagram and YouTube Yeah, so uh, one of Nate's, like, Q&A videos that I watched, um, you can also find all of her stuff. She's also a uh, a relationship coach. 
You can find all of her things at MotherNature.com. I'll put the link in the description to this episode. But yeah, one of her Q&A videos that I watched, she was talking about how she got into van life living in her car in the first place. And basically, the main factor that led her to van life was her mental health. She was just super... Um, stressed and felt really uh, contained having to sign leases, you know, pay rent and hold down like this space. Felt like she couldn't move and travel and kind of live a more um, unrooted life that she wanted to live. So, uh, so she moved in to her van. She took a lot of her stuff and put it in a storage unit that is literally set up like a a place like um, she has her bed because she didn't want to get rid of her bed and all this stuff. A closet area. It's like set up really cute. Um, she does a tour of her uh, storage space on her YouTube page as well. Um, and just totally downsized and now lives in her van and car like between the two. Uh, so all of her content is just, you know, a day in the life <laughs> of a bad bitch living in her car. But recently, why I wanted to make Nate uh, Queer Walk of the Week on the podcast is obviously black women can't do nothing without folks in our business, right? <laughs> Living in a van is no different. So um, Nate was visiting her uh, fiance um, and in her fiance's neighborhood, someone uh, was like following her in a truck. At some point in time, the neighborhood started like taking videos and pictures of her van, posting them up. Um, and she's talking to her fiance and her fiance is telling her, don't worry about it. You know, it's fine. Um, this is also not her first time in the neighborhood, clearly, because her fiance lives there. It escalates to the point of someone calling the police on Nate in her van. Um, and what they told the police is that they saw a black man in the van. Um, Nate and her, <laughs> and her fiance are very much not black men. Um, and as she's telling this story, and I think she's using a lot of humor in retelling this story because I mean, um, it's, it's jarring content, you know, like a lot of us, we don't even want to hear about somebody interacting with the police. And so she's telling it in a really humorous way. I think her whole channel is very humorous. I, th I just think she's funny as fuck. So, so anything she says comes across funny. Y'all know those type of people who like, they're not trying to make a joke, but they just are funny. So I think the story was going to be funny anyway, um, because of Nate's tone and how she like tells stories. But... I was just so concerned that this was going to go in a very negative way because you have two queer women um, who somebody has called the police and was like, oh, there's a man in a van in a neighborhood, right? So I was just like holding on to every word of this story. Thankfully, y'all, I don't have to give any kind of content warning because they are both okay. Nate and her fiance are both good. <laughs> But it's really fucked up that even things like, you know, giving it all up and hashtag living off the grid and hashtag van life and all that stuff is racialized. Like, you can't just be living in your van <laughs> as a black person, particularly as a black queer person. And so um, watching her video and her recap of like this experience and what happened, 
I just like it. I was just reminded again of how anything we do as black queer women, whether we want to or not, like it is political, right? So freeing yourself from a lease, <laughs> like deciding to live in your van is still a political act. And so um, she's okay. But if you want to go show um, Nate some support, I'm sure this was like still a very jarring experience. It's all it's always a jarring experience to be interacting with the police when when you're a black person. So um, yeah, head over. I'll put all her links um, in the description to this episode. And like I said, she's hilarious. So even if you're not interested in like van life or um, minimalist living or whatever she's just a black woman who is clearly free and like living living life with as less stress as possible so just watch her videos because she's funny she's gay and <laughs> and it's just a good time over there so um shout out to mother nature and uh i'm really glad she's all right um uh, can't wait to see pictures of the wedding because uh, i know it's going to be cute and yeah that's the Queer Rock of the Week this week, y'all. It's time for that Black Feminist Healing. This, that, real shit, not make believe. Come on, money, please help me get my shit together. I listen to the moment when times get rough. Put all my headphones, turn it all the way up. Who's gonna give you grounding tips? There's nobody better. Oh, money, help me get my shit together. Okay, well, I'm going to move it on along to the mental moment with money. The mental moment with money segment is the segment where I, Dr. Money, uh, (laughs) licensed mental health professional, uh, try to do some either mental health education, uh, tips, tricks, uh, hacks, uh, anything to help us with our well-being mentally, right? Um, so I'm a, you know, I'm gonna throw it back to alliteration. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give us three S's to stop worry today, and these three S's to stop worry are one inspired by the folks that I work with in therapy, um, and also one of my favorite therapists, Dr. Tracy Marks. She's a black psychiatrist. Uh, who does mental health education videos on YouTube. If y'all can't tell, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> um, with the Queer Walk of the Week coming from YouTube and the mental moment being inspired by a YouTuber. Okay, so before I get into the three S's to stop worry, I wanted to kind of give a breakdown of worry and this graphic called the Worry Decision Tree that was originally created by doctors Jillian Butler and Tony Hope back in 2007, but it got a revamp and a re-update uh, <laughs> during the pandemic by Stephanie Kuhn uh, last, at the beginning of this year in 2022. Um, because, you know, worry took on a whole new, <laughs> a whole new, a whole new format um, after uh, the pandemic hit. So, and I'll put a link in the description to uh, Stephanie Kuhn's uh, updated uh, version of the worry tree. Okay. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about like anxiety and worry before I get into the three S's to help us stop. Um, so worry 
I think of worry as like the the beginnings of anxiety, right? It's where anxiety grows from. Worry is kind of like um, the cognitive part of it. Like, what am I thinking? What am I telling myself? What are other people telling me? And anxiety is when it becomes an experience, right? Like a feeling when those thoughts just run away from you and you feel like you can't control them. I, I think a lot about it being like a train, you know, where <laughs> you might start at like worry station, but then the train don't have no brakes. It don't turn. It don't stop at any other station. And that's the experience of anxiety, right? It's just has gone off the rails. Um, something that I think is really interesting about worry is that we rarely have positive worry, right? <laughs> like 98% of the time, worry is a worst case scenario experience. Um, we are focused on the worst possible outcome for for something happening, um, the language of worry, like how worry sounds, um, how anxiety speaks to us is in point, you know? So like there's there's no middle. It's just zero to 100. <laughs> it's catastrophe, the way worry talks to us, the way anxiety speaks to us. It speaks the language of catastrophe. So no middle. It's just worst case and it's repetitive. The language of worry and the language of anxiety, like how they sound. Um, and what I mean by that is like the thoughts, right? Like, what does this sound like to myself? How am I talking to myself about this thing? What's playing on a loop? It's catastrophic repetitive. That, those are the two. If I had to distill anxiety down, it's catastrophic and it's repetitive, right? So it's like the same damn thing. Over and over again. And it's always worst case scenario. And I think this is also what um, separates like worry and anxiety from just like concern or planning ahead. Like usually if it's just concern or planning ahead, you're like, oh, I got to take the trash out. Right. And that's like the end. <laughs> it's like, OK, I remember I have to take the trash out. That's the way I talk to myself. You see how there's no catastrophe in that. But when worry and anxiety take over, it's like, that's when you start thinking, if I don't take the trash out, the bugs is going to come. <laughs> you know, now I got maggots in my, uh, whatever. That, that worst case, it has, how did we get here? If you ever think, <laughs> if you ever think, how did I get here? That is probably the language of worry and anxiety. Um, so there... It's funny because people are like, do I always have to have anxiety? Like, is worry just my destiny? So the, they have a functional purpose, right? Like, there is a such thing as helpful anxiety or helpful worry. I think about these as like short term, you know, like planning ahead. Like, oh, I have to get to the airport two hours before my flight because I don't want to miss my flight. And I know that Philadelphia airport has notoriously slow checking in for bags, you know, like <laughs> that is, that is worry. That's like planning ahead, but it's, it's confined and uh, less catastrophizing than like that runaway train worry and anxiety. Unhelpful worry usually speaks the language of what ifs, like what if I don't make it? 
to the airport two hours beforehand. You know, like that's different than, ooh, I better make sure I get to the airport two hours before my flight. It just, I don't, I don't know how else to say this. And this is why I love narrative therapy, because you can personify a problem. Anxiety and worry talk to us in a very different way than like healthy, you know, worry and anxiety talk to us. So when, when you're in what if territory, when you're in worst case scenario territory, when you're catastrophizing, that is runaway train worry and anxiety. Okay. So I want to walk a little bit through the worry and anxiety tree. Like, what is this tree? Okay. And this is the update uh, to it. So I think when you catch yourself worrying or really anxious about something, the first question to ask yourself is, what are you worrying about? Name it. I always tell my clients this, but like anxiety hates uh, detail anxiety doesn't deal in specifics, right? So the more specific and the more detailed you can be, the less likely you are to experience anxiety to a like uh, a panic attack level, you know? So get really specific. What am I worried about? Name it. It really helps to write it down too because when you write, you have to slow down. You have to pay attention to detail. You making sure you spell words right and all that stuff. Anxiety does not do well there. It doesn't like to live there. It wants to keep you in big picture, worst case scenario. So (laughs) name it. Get really specific about what you're worrying about. Is this a real problem or a hypothetical problem? So this is where the worry tree starts, right? So first, name it. Is this real or is it hypothetical? If it's real, continue on. (laughs) I'm going to continue with you. Um, And if it's hypothetical, give it the three S's that I'm going to give y'all when I'm done. Okay. So if it's real, all right, it's a real concern. Um, Can I do something about it? If the answer is yes, continue with me. If no, give it the three S's. I'm going to get there. (laughs) So can I do something about this real problem that I'm worried about? Yes. Okay, so let me identify the best case, the worst case, and the most likely case and list out your options of what you can do for each one of those. So you can do this out loud, sure, but even if you're just like texting it to yourself, texting it to somebody, writing it pen and paper, like writing stuff down really helps when you're anxious. I'm telling you, like so often I'll be like worked up with anxiety and I'm trying to write through what I'm anxious about. And halfway through writing about it, I'm not anxious anymore. And my mind starts to wander and I think about other stuff, right? Because anxiety doesn't like detail. So, (laughs) so if you get to the point of like, okay, this is a real problem. I can do something about it. What's the best case outcome of that? What is the worst case outcome? What is the most likely thing that's going to happen? Write down what you would do for each one of those. Of the things you would do, so of your options, is there anything that you can do right now? So again, you've identified that this is a real problem. You've listed out the best, worst, and most likely case scenario. Now you've listed out your options of what you can do in each one of those scenarios. And now you're answering the question, 
Is there anything I can do about it right now? If yes, do the thing. If no, plan when you can do the thing. And then move on to the S's. Let that worry go. (laughs) All right? So if there's something you can do, do it. If there's nothing you can do, plan when you can do it and let it go. All right? So there, you just work through the worry tree. But I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back to the top. Um, So after you ask yourself, what are you worrying about? Can you do something about it? If the answer to that is no, then it's probably a hypothetical problem that you're worried about. And I'm not saying hypothetical as if like... um, it's like a thought exercise for you. It, it might just be a problem that's not true at the moment, you know? So like the hypothetical is like, what if I get COVID, right? Very real problem, but it's not one that you're dealing with at the moment. So you're just worked up about a hypothetical. So that's, that's back at the top of the tree where you're asking yourself what you're worried about. Is it a real problem or is it a hypothetical problem? So I told y'all, to move to the S's if you answer no at any point in the worry tree, right? So can you do something about it? If it's no, move to the S's. So I wanna tell y'all what the S's are. Okay, so my three S's for stopping worry. The first, I'm gonna read them through and then go through them. So the first is schedule a worry time, word to Dr. Marks. The second is scan your surroundings to get grounded. And the last is seek out an experience. The S's. Okay, let's go through. So the first S, schedule worry time. So Dr. Marks has a whole video on this on YouTube. I'll put the link in the description. Um, She also breaks down the worry tree if it sounds a little confusing with me walking through it. (laughs) Because I put my own language to this stuff. So in um, Dr. Marks's video, she uh, suggests that we schedule 30 minutes a day to worry. How do we do this? We pick a space and a time to worry. And it, this can't be like your usual worry time where you're just sitting at your desk spinning in anxiety. In her suggestions, she tells us to pick a, t- a time and a place that we usually don't be sitting and worrying, to worry. Um, Maybe take a notebook with you because I really suggest journaling through this process. Uh, How concerning are these worries? That's what you want to ask yourself in this 30-minute window that you've allotted to worry. How worried are you? Ask yourself in this time, have these worries gotten scarier since you first thought about it and why? Does it feel like a more real problem now? Has something changed to make this worry feel bigger? Are you worried about something in the future or is this a past pain that's worrying you? So that might point more towards you being triggered or activated, right? If you're thinking about something in the past but it's still concerning you. These are questions you can ask yourself in those 30 minutes. Again, what I have found in doing this myself and in helping people work through panic, anxiety, worry, whatever, is that you don't even hit the 30 minutes before you start feeling better. Usually it takes around 17, like 17 minutes seems to be like the sweet spot. And then 
because anxiety doesn't like detail, your brain starts wandering off to other stuff. Like, oh, I wonder if a new episode of Abbott Elementary came out. You know, like, <laughs> the worry just somehow melts away. And it's really fascinating to me how, like, not suppressing something actually alleviates it. You know, <laughs> like, like, not trying to... Um, tell ourselves, don't think about this, don't think about this. And to actually like give it space lets it move much faster than if we were just like ignoring it. It's always interesting to me that that happens. So yeah, so that's the first S, schedule worry time. The second S is scan your surroundings to get grounded. So not in a hypervigilant way, right? <laughs> Right? Not in a way where you all activated looking around like, who there? Who who wanted Willene? If, <laughs> if anybody has seen Bring It Down the House, that was <laughs> that is one of my favorite movies. And Queen Latifah really blessed us with that one. Is still till this day one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. But anyway, so you don't want to be hyper vigilant scanning your surroundings, right? You want to scan your surroundings in order to regulate all the stress hormones that are flooding your body when you worry and when you are anxious. So take deep breaths. Dr. Marx encourages us to take um, breaths in the fours, you know, the square breaths. It's like you count to four, breathing in, hold for four, count to four, breathing out, like very slow, intentional breaths. Then ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Like physically, like what am I feeling? I'm feeling the softness of my shorts. I'm feeling the itchiness of this shirt. You know, <laughs> what, whatever, whatever it is you're, you're feeling on your skin. Ask yourself if you can hear anything. I hear the whooshing of the fans in my laptop. You know, <laughs> ask yourself if you smell anything. I smell a whole lot of eucalyptus right now because I bought this big old bundle of eucalyptus. <laughs> so now everything in my house smells like eucalyptus. Ask yourself if you can see anything and continue to deep breathe as you do that and see how quickly like your stomach stops feeling like a thunderstorm, you know? So that's the second S, scan your surroundings to get grounded. If y'all remember the anxiety countdown I did, right? Um, five things you can touch, uh, four things you can hear, um, three things you can uh, see, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. You know, anxiety countdown. And then the final S is seek out an experience. Seek out an experience. Literally do something. That's all that means. <laughs> do something. Uh, pull out a coloring book. Go somewhere. Take a walk around the block. Um, practice gratitude. Go do a hobby of yours. Call someone. If it helps, if it feels more like an experience, do a video call. You know, like seek out an experience. Throw yourself into something. <laughs> it works as an, a distraction, but it actually also works to um, remind you that joy is possible. You know, <laughs> like, you don't just have to succumb to anxiety and worry. So those are the three S's. Schedule worry time, scan your surroundings to get grounded, and seek out an experience. 
and let me know if this works. Like, y'all hit, hit me up at QueerWalkPod. Use the hashtag QueerWalk. Let me know if y'all actually use any of these strategies or if this was helpful um, to hear about. Uh, I think this is the time of the year for worry to be at a peak. And I know, you know, anxiety is a struggle that a lot of us have. <laughs> you know, anxiety and depression around this time of year be tag teaming people. So I just hope to, you know, disempower anxiety just a little bit. So y'all let me know. All right, y'all. So I'm moving on along to the topic segment. And the topic segment is just the queer potpourri segment. It's where I talk about everything that doesn't really fit into the other segments on the podcast. Whew, y'all. So <laughs> let's go. Uh, um, you know, especially after watching um, Mother Nature's um, Nate, who I talked about in the Queer Rock of the Week segment of this episode, after watching her videos and then just following along with the um, the case of Brittany Griner, I've just been thinking so much about like who amplifies the stories of black queer women. And um, I think something, something that I was tweeting about um, was like, it feels, I feel, I don't want to experience this, but I, I think my default is like having no expectations or having negative expectations around our experiences as black queer women. Like I just expect shit to happen <laughs> or I, I just have like no expectations that things will go well. Um, and so when they do, I'm always like, oh shit. Ah. But um, I hate that. I hate that my like default is kind of like no expectations or worry and negative expectations. Right. <laughs> um, but the thing that shocks me that still hurts uh, is the silence when something does happen to us. And that's just all I've been thinking about around Brittany Griner being detained in Russia. And, um, and yeah, Mother Nature, like what would have happened to Nate had she not had a million followers on TikTok, you know, to, to be like, no, this is, I does this, like, this is who I am, you know? Um, and even knowing that that doesn't protect us, you know? Because, like, you know, Brittany Griner got gold medals. She got championships. She got everything. She's a, a basketball star in the U.S. and in Russia. And none of that protected her, right? So, I just want to back up a little bit. So, I, I talked about... Um, BG first being detained in the episode of the podcast titled hashtag free Brittany Griner. <laughs> um, so if you want kind of like a backstory and my quick overview of how we got to this point, um, it's in that episode. So she's been detained since February of this year in Russia for um, having vape pen cartridges for like a CBD vape pen, right? Um, weed is illegal in Russia, whatever, whatever. Um, 
nobody should be incarcerated for weed. <laughs> nobody should be locked up anywhere for weed. Um, that, I mean, that's just where I stand, you know? And I, I think I said this on the Instagram story too, but like all of my politics, like even if I knew nothing about who BG is, um, all of my politics will lead me to believe that she shouldn't be in jail in Russia <laughs> for this, right? So she was detained in Russia in February of this year, um, found guilty and sentenced to nine years in Russian prison for vape pen cartridges. And last week, uh, she, her lawyers filed an appeal, right? Her lawyers argued that, um, that a sentence of nine years is just like excessive. She didn't mean to do this. Um, and honestly, I felt like her, <laughs> her lawyers kind of argued like, y'all know what the fuck y'all doing. Like, come on now. Come on. <laughs> Like, I'm not a lawyer, you know, but that's how I interpreted what I read. <laughs> like, her lawyers were like, are you being fucking serious? Nine years? Come on now. Um, and at the at the hearing for her appeal, uh, BG also shared that, like, you know, this was totally unintentional. She didn't know it was in her bag. Um, that she would never do this again. And that this whole experience has been traumatizing. She doesn't speak Russian, right? And so she is having to rely on interpreters to even understand what's happening in her own trial. And so, yeah, she just shared it. This has been totally traumatizing. I This was totally unintentional. We'll never do it again. So, um, so I needed help understanding this. So Anna Deshaun at Anna Deshaun on Twitter, on um, Instagram, did a real kind of breaking down the three different things that Russian, the Russian court could have done. So they could have either um, upheld uh, the decision in her first trial, which is to sentence her to nine years. Um, they could have overruled it and said, essentially, this, this is not a case that this court should be hearing and kind of push it down to either a lower court or kind of like dismiss it from that level of severity. Or they could have just reduced it right there and been like, you're right, time served, you're free to go, basically. And what the court did was the first one. They upheld it. They were like, nah, we agree with the first ruling, you're sentenced to nine years. And so what this means is that she is no longer going to be held in kind of like this holding um trial area that um in I don't know how many weeks I don't know how many months but Brittany Griner is going to be transferred to a penal colony in Russia I don't know how many of y'all in like world history class like learned about like the gulags and stuff but that is what I imagine a penal colony to be um, and after doing a little bit of research on it, I don't think I'm that far off. Penal colonies in Russia are 14 hour a day labor camps. And so while you might be free to roam the premises and they're not necessarily cages and cells in the way um, the American imagination of prison is, you are working hard labor 
14 hours a day. There are also, so people have died of like exhaustion in these uh, penal colonies. People have died from starvation because you're working so much that you, that whatever they feed you actually isn't enough to keep up with the amount of physical labor that you're doing. Like these penal colonies are not prison in the way we understand prison in America. And even, I mean, even with the fucked upness of prison labor in America, right? This is different. This is on, I imagine, a whole nother level. Um, and if folks out there know more about Russian <laughs> penal colonies, let me know. But um, she... Whew, Brittany has already not been able to speak to her family since February. I cannot imagine the isolation that's going to happen once she gets transferred to a penal colony. And so our biggest hope at this time is just that the U.S. and Russia can organize like a prisoner swap before she gets transferred to a colony to serve out the rest of her sentence. Um, that's all, that's really all we can hope. We, all we can hope is that like somewhere in the next few weeks or months, the United States figures out a swap and is able to swap her. And kind of like Nate in the, um, Queer Walk of the Week, I feel so similarly about BG in the way that like, I think, Black queer women. There's no right way to be a black dyke. <laughs> I just, uh, like, like gender presentation totally goes into this. Um, for both of them, I think, uh, like how you know, with with BG being masculine and with uh, Nate being a natural dark skin. You know, natural. I mean, like natural hair and you know, that kind of natural, <laughs> like natural hair, dark skin. I think all of these ways of presenting are extra, extra stigmatized when you're black and queer. And um, and I just can't imagine that BG won't be asked to do the labor or whatever of a fucking man in a, in a penal colony. It's just it's just scary. Um I just have these moments where I where I just be going about my day and I'll think, damn, damn, BG. Like, it's just fucking heartbreaking. And I am just a fan, you know? Like I'm I'm so removed from her life as a as a person, but feel so deeply connected to this experience of like you don't make enough money at your main job. So you get a second job and you're like working these two jobs. You barely get to see your family. <laughs> you just existing, being black and gay and boom, some fuckery happens, right? And it's just like, you are told to be excellent, to escape oppression, but your excellence is the thing that puts you in danger in the first place. Like it just, it is just a mind fuck being a black lesbian. And I, um, I think the thing, yes, all of this hurts. All of this is heartbreaking. But I think the thing that most gets me is like 
the only people that seem to even give a damn at all is other black queer women. Those are the only people that I've seen being really vocal about this. And maybe like I would say black queer femmes, right? Because I don't know people's gender. Um, yeah, but those are like the only people I've seen going up about this. Even the WNBA players that I see post the most about Britney, other black lesbians. It's just like the weight of the state falls at, on our shoulders so so much of the time. But we we just always left the fuck out. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's that's also why it was important. Because well, because of a message I got, but also I because of these um experiences that I felt like it was really important to say I if I do nothing else with Queer Walk, I hope to archive like black lesbian experiences in this time period that I'm podcasting because I just don't know who or where else is doing it. And if that has to be my bag, then I'ma do it. I'ma be I'ma be in my bag in my Telfie doing it. Okay. <laughs> um I I just hope that Joe Biden's administration pulls it together enough to get Brittany Griner back in America. That's it. Like if if you don't do shit else, Joe, like like that's it. That's that's all I need you to do. I, I needed you to cancel all the student loans. You ain't do that. So, like, can you please come through with BG and swap this? Because, like, this is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. She shouldn't be there in the first fucking place, but she definitely shouldn't, should not be transferred to a, a colony, a prison, a penal colony in Russia. So, get it together and get our girl back. Um, and honestly, I hope she takes all the time she needs to be okay after this. If she never plays basketball again, that is fine by me. I just want her out of prison in Russia. What the fuck? When I recorded that episode, um, Free BG, I honestly didn't think we would be here in October. I, I just, I don't know. It's like my brain... My brain couldn't even wrap around, like, her being detained for that long. Like, you know, it's like, she's an active, very, very good player. You know, it's just, I just, oh, I just couldn't imagine that it would be this long. Um, Like, what are we at? Like, 254 days or something that she's been detained. I just never imagined when I recorded that, I thought it was going to be like a couple weeks. You know, it this kind of hit me like the pandemic. I thought it was like we gonna we was going to be home for a couple weeks and then it was going to be over. That's exactly what this Brittany Griner trial has felt like for me. So if anybody else is following it, uh, please reach out. Please talk to me. Do y'all see other places where like this is being like not even in sports casts like maybe they'll give it like four minutes ask one question about it and then move on I just just I just want to know why Brittany is not I mean you know, I, I feel like it's dismissive to be like yeah all the all the systems of oppression that's why but like no for real like why the fuck we don't care about black lesbians like why we don't why we don't recognize when things are happening to us why do black queer women have to be like 
fabulous or dead for anybody to give a damn. Like, what about our lives? Like, what about what about the actual experiences we have moving through this bitch? Like, what about that? What about that? Do, can we can we get some humanity? Like, uh, you know, I had to do a lot of worry trees about. <laughs> about this I'm like it's so beyond my control like all I can do is just uh just talk about it and just be like damn damn can y'all can y'all believe this is happening um yeah it it just makes me sad as fuck because every time I, I feel like I want to travel somewhere too I have to google like what it's like being gay in that place what it's like being black in that place there's not a lot of overlapping articles <laughs> on what it's like to be black and gay somewhere. It's just exhausting. It's exhausting. And, you know, I think this a lot, like, who got us but us, you know? Like, the people who humanize us, the people who talk about our stories, the people who share our stories, the people that we learn about each other from and through are other folks of color who are also queer and um yeah so I think we, you know we have to keep talking about it we gotta stay in community with each other cause who got us but us and so to end this kind of on a, a high <laughs> um I went to Afros and Audio cause it was here in Philly so Afros and Audio is a black podcasting festival um, and I didn't know it was happening, but Diamond texted me and told me she was going to be there. And so I was like, oh shit. And so, <laughs> um, I was in the middle of braiding my hair and I was like, okay, I- I'll make it on day two. Cause it was a two day festival. So I missed the first day, but I went on the second day. And when I tell you, I like walked in, I was lost at first cause it was in a hotel and people were just like, Hey, Hey, it's, it was, it felt like instant community. It kind of had like a a real cookout vibe. You know, like when you go <laughs> when you go to a cookout, it, it felt really like that in the in the foyer of this fancy ass hotel, right? It was just like a whole bunch of black people. They were asking like if I needed something, where I needed to go, if I had a podcast, you know, and then I saw a diamond and um we went and had lunch. But like it was just a good vibe. Like from walking in, from the moment I walked in and I met a lot of people there. What I love about, uh, what I love most about it is usually people who have attained what they feel like is any level of success try to gatekeep information. And that was not the vibe at all at Afros and Audio. So it was, uh, so, it was so dope. Um, people were just like sharing all the things all the things, you know, like, oh, this place. Oh, have you heard about this thing? Oh, well, um, this thing, this person could get you like search engine optimization. Oh, this new podcast is coming out. It was just like amazing. It was just people sharing, sharing, sharing information. Some of the information I felt like people could have kept. I'm like, (laughs) that didn't really answer nobody's questions here. But it was still, if even if even if that was information that like who asked for that, they were still down to share it. Um, so that felt really good. Everybody was fine. I think that goes without saying. Um, damn, black people are just beautiful. Like we just look good, okay? <laughs> 
And everybody was just so fun. I was just looking at people's outfits like, damn, that's that's cute. Okay. Um, yeah. Everybody had, you know, like really cute logos, really creative logos. I found out about really exciting things that gave me like, you know, encouragement to want to continue Queer Walk. Um, encouragement to let me know that Queer Walk is an important space. I got to hang out with Black Women Stitch. Um, <laughs> who, hey, Lisa, if you're listening, <laughs> I've, like, only ever seen uh, once at Pod and Live um, back in the day, you know, <laughs> pre-COVID, so that was really dope. And I also learned about uh, this book by David, David Everett called A Shadow of Red, Communism and the Blacklist in Radio and Television. And it was basically all about how communists, uh, you know, socialist, anti-capitalist, kind of got blackballed in radio and TV and how this like undercurrent of radical radio and TV came about because of that. And that just gave me, you know, one of those divine alignment moments. It just felt like some shit I would have never learned about. Um, maybe outside of Nikita would have known about some communist. <laughs> radio undercurrents, you know. Um, But, like, being in a space of hearing Black people talk about that stuff and feeling like, oh, my gosh, like, this is what I'm doing, right? I know there are some sponsors who will never want to sponsor Queer Walk because I am loudly Black and gay and, you know, like, loudly uh, pro-Palestine, loudly all the things that I am, right? So it just put me in, like, this history that I, I, those are the moments where I feel, where I feel most meaningful in my little life, you know, it's like, it's gonna go beyond me because it started before me, um, these, like, traditions of telling our truths, <laughs> even when everything is stacked against us, right, like the radical radios, so, um, yeah, that Afros and Audios, I definitely want to go next year. Um, I was only there for one day and I was like, damn, this is dope. So <laughs> I really want to do both days next year. Um, yeah, and that's also where I met Anna Deshaun, who looked so familiar when I first met her. I was like, why do you look so familiar? And it's because she is the pers- the only person that I saw do a TikTok slash reel about Britney Griner's detention. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, it's you. <laughs> like, that's where I know you from. Um, and so just to know that, you know, there's other black lesbians out there on the podcasting game, in the podcasting uh, universe that are also like amplifying slash heartbroken about everything that's happening with BG. Just, it just warmed my little heart. And it also, it also made me feel like I was making friends as an adult. <laughs> Which is hard as fuck. Damn, it's lonely out here. But, yeah. Um, Yeah, so that was cool. Uh, And, you know, we are BG. Hashtag free BG. Uh, All of that. All those things. Alright, y'all. Well, I'm going to move it on along to the Curved Chronicles segment. And Curve Chronicles is where I talk about my dating woes and wins and or your dating woes and wins. 
You can send your Curved Chronicles to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com or just send them to me in the DMs at QueerWalkPod on all the things. Um, so I told y'all I haven't been dating. And I was thinking yesterday, because I was walking, you know, I was walking to the um, flower shop, do-do-do-do, but I was just walking to the um, the plant shop uh, to get a eucalyptus bundle. And by the way, they they give way more eucalyptus than the white establishments, okay? <laughs> I, got, I got eucalyptus in every room in my house off one bundle, and it was $10. But um, yeah, so while I was walking there, a lot of dudes tried to say hey. And while I was walking home, same thing. Um, and you know, some more respectful than others, you know, some was just like the, Hey, how you doing? And the others was, I like your tattoos or I like that skirt or whatever, whatever, you know? Um, so ignoring the content of all of that street (laughs) approaching, I, it just really made me think about like, yo, why, why are men so comfortable approaching anybody? Like, they are so comfortable. And yes, you know, I know all oh, the layers of the patriarchy and most sexual one. Okay, all of that aside, right? <laughs> you like the the audacity and the confidence you have to have. You you feel like no one is out of your league, that there's no such thing as a league. <laughs> you just you look at me and you look at yourself and you look back at me and you look back at yourself and you think, I could bag that. I want some of that. <laughs> I want some of that energy. Yeah, but I've just, I have have just been contemplating the like, the self-assuredness it takes to holler at somebody that men have, clearly. Um, And of course, I don't want to approach people in any of the like shitty ways that I've been approached uh, by men in public. But I just want a little bit of that, like, try to holler, you know, try to shoot your shot. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I had went to this tarot event. It was like a, a tarot 101 intro to tarot event. It was so dope. I feel like it was the breakdown that I needed. I love when people um, give definitions of things and I can take notes. Oof. I think that's why I love lecture classes in college. It was that was just my jam. I'm like, yes, tell me something, and I'll sit here and take notes. Um, so it was an amazing event, and it was this very, very beautiful human at the event. They were so cute, and they were tall, like at least my height, if not a little bit taller. Where and how? When does that ever happen to me? So I had made up my mind that I was gonna ask this cute human for their contact info info um and then me and my friends started talking (laughs) and they came up to us the cute human came up to us and introduced themselves and we started talking about like them moving to philly and all this and i was just like okay this is my this is my entry point because you know i recently moved to philly too and blah 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 and i just couldn't work up the nerve to be like so can i get your number or something like i just couldn't what is that? What is that? Like, I I thought I looked pretty cute at this event. We we clearly have a shared interest. We both came to this like Tarot 101. 
you know, it's a it's a cute little vibe. Most of the people there I read as queer. You know, I'm like, this is this is the perfect space. If 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 any place that I was gonna try out this confidence of approaching someone, it should be here. But I just couldn't formulate the words in my mouth to be like, I think you're attractive. Would it be okay if I got your phone number or your Instagram or something? Just couldn't do it. So I just kind of soaked off and talked to my friend on the sidelines and watched. And then, of course, they left. Me and my friend was deep in conversation. And then the person left. And they probably floated off into the multiverse. And I will never see them again. I'm not posting no misconnections on Lex because Lex is a very confusing and strange app. So <laughs> um, I never freeze. I freeze. Okay. I am T'Challa to the bullshit. I freeze. I, d- I feel like my, and nobody would ever know that this is flirtatious, but for me, I just go, Hey, how you doing? Nobody would ever know that that's flirty. Never. But that is the only thing that I can manage to get out of my freaking mouth is, hey, how you doing? Um, yeah. And maybe I just need to practice it. So in, um, in my master's program, clinical mental health counseling, we used to have to do drills like of counseling skills. And so it's where they're like, play a little clip and then you practice responding. I, I feel like I need to do that with flirting. <laughs> I can get myself together to be like, so what are you doing after this? Um, you go home? Oh, would you mind if I get your contact information? Maybe we can meet up another time. Maybe we can practice our tarot together. I don't see this as like disconnected from why I'm not dating. Nobody fucking knows I'm interested. <laughs> Um, all right y'all well that was an episode um yeah i think that's going to do it for this episode of queer walk the podcast again you can find me on all the things at queer walk pod if you would like to sustain queer walk head on over to the patreon patreon.com slash queer walk pod pod um yeah i'll see y'all on the next episode oh wait before Um, I sign off of this episode. I'm going to be at the National Women's Studies Association Conference. So if you go into NWSA, hey, (laughs) I'm going to be there. Um, And I'll talk to y'all later. All right, y'all. I'm out. This episode of Queer Walk the Podcast was made possible thanks to the monetary contributions of Ashley, Mel, Jasmine, and Gigi, who all became new patrons. This episode was also made possible by the listeners of Little Rock, Arkansas, Park City, Utah, and Letchworth Garden City, England.